Thank you for joining us for the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. And remember, if you are ever in our area, please stop by. We'll make you feel right at home. Now, let's join Pastor George Logan for today's message. And as you go in there, Luke <clears throat> chapter 23. Now, my assumption is that most of us have heard the, the narrative of the death, burial, the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ, what Easter to us stands for. Now, Easter does stand for a lot of things to a lot of different people. But for us, it means the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so we want to we look into that just a little bit this morning. And without going into all of the story, because there's actually three parts of it, in my opinion. There's the, the, the crucifixion, there's the burial, and there's the resurrection. And all of them are contingent upon one another. In other words, there had to be a death. Then there had to be a burial. And then there had to be a resurrection. You leave out any of those and it ceased to be resurrection day, right? And so it means a lot to each one of us. And, to, uh, and so there's so many different aspects of it that you could actually teach in a particular area. We could go 10 years and, and, and not exhaust just the teaching of the death, the burial, and the resurrection and all that it means. Uh, so we're going to focus in on one aspect of it uh, this morning. So I want to read into it just a little bit until we get to, uh, to the part. Now, we all know that um, Jesus was betrayed by Judas, and he was betrayed into the hands of the, um, the uh, Jewish uh, established religion, the Pharisees, the priests, and they sought to take his life, but because they, they could not, they did not have the right to take a life because they were not, they were, they were uh, Jewish people at that time, could not do that. They sought the, um, the help of, of Pilate, who was a Roman uh, governor, government, a part of the Roman government, and they brought him before Pilate, and, and though Pilate uh, sought to uh, release himself of the responsibility of taking his life, finally they concluded or he, he decided to go ahead and take Jesus' life. Um, so, and a lot of things happened in between that. You know, there, was, there were beatings, there were pulling of his beard out, there was um, thrown uh, of uh, a, um, what do you call it, a crown of thorns upon his head. There were, he was mocked, he was robed and derobed and all of those things uh, that took place. And having all of that done, let's read from verse 23, chapter 23 and verse 26. And it says, as they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves, for your children, and for your children. For the, for the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, 
the wombs that have not borne a child and the breasts that have not never nursed. People will beg, will, will beg the mountains, fall on us, and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? The two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. And when they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, but the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. I want to isolate that particular scripture right there and pull it out for us today. Now, next resurrection, God willing, we'll teach on another aspect of it. And over the 25 years of ministry, we've taught on multiple aspects of the resurrection. I believe the Spirit of God led me this morning to really hone in on that one statement. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. I call this message this morning, The Resurrection, The Great Equalizer. How many of you remember the movie, The Equalizer, with um, Denzel Washington? And the, the role of Denzel Washington as the equalizer is when he saw injustices, what did he do? He fixed it, right? Who said that? He, he fixed it, right? In other words, when things weren't going right for someone um, and people were being done wrong, no matter what the case were, he would, he would fix it. He would, he would fix it. And so Jesus is the greatest fixer ever known to mankind. He is the equalizer. And I believe one way in which he equalized things, brought balance to things, is with that one statement, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And I submit to you this morning that most of the things that we have done or have been done to us, that we have been trespassed, we've been hurt, we've been wounded by someone. Through the resurrection, we also have the same capacity to say, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Anyone who really hurts us and maybe even those we have hurt, if we knew the real implications of what we have done, we wouldn't have done it. If we really, really understood how our trespassing, our hurting other people, how it really does affect their lives, sometimes forever. You know, people have been physically, sexually abused. People have been uh, in unjustly put into prison. Uh, things have happened over the span of humanity that have been tremendously unjust. And most of the time, most people didn't know that these injustices, what they were doing. But had they known, they, 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 then they, they may have not, if they knew the real implications of it, maybe they wouldn't have done it. Maybe they would have still done it. But the point here is Jesus is saying to both the I believe he's saying it not only to the Roman soldiers who were standing by, who were mocking him and who had beaten him, but also to everyone leading up to the, uh, the crucifixion. I believe he was saying to everyone, Father, forgive them. They, they, really, they really don't know what they're doing. They, they have no idea 
of what they have done. They have no concept, no perception of what they have done. Father, forgive them. And I believe that in our lives, if we learn to do this, if we learn how to simply forgive, it will begin to balance things out in our lives. Now, most people are like this. Right now, this, the bubble is in the middle, okay? If y'all, can y'all see that this is a, a, a level? I was calling it a balancer. Uh, I was calling all kinds of names. Obviously, I haven't used it a lot, right? But, but if you, if, uh, uh, let me see, do we have a, a, a younger, um, um, cl- uh, cl- uh, Zoe, could you come here for a second, please? I need your help. Now, Zoe, could you please tell the church here this morning where the bubble is in the middle here? I mean, in, in, on this right here. <laughs> right, come here, right there. Where, where is the bubble? In the what? In the middle. Say it again. In the middle. It's in the middle. Right? Now, where's the bubble at now? On the side. On the side. Where's the bubble at now? On the other side. Right? I submit to you. Thank you so much, Zoe. You, you can go back now. <laughs> thank you, though. Appreciate it. You, you got a message for us? If you do, you can stay. But what she noticed here is that the bubble moved relative to its leanings. And here's what I found out having done a little bit of, having had done a little bit of renovations to the home in the last little bit, is that all of the people that were working used one of these. Joe used one of these. Mr. Now used one of these. I broke one out too. And, I, and, and they, would, they wouldn't do hardly anything without it. You know, I'm thinking this. I'm thinking, why don't we just, you know, why do we have to go to the trouble of just making sure it's, it's, it's got the bubble in the middle? How can we just throw the thing together? Because if you just throw it together forever, it will always be off. It'll always be off. So it's always important to do what we need to do first, Right? And for many of us in our lives, the very first thing we need to do, even from today, in order to correct some things, maybe some relationships, maybe even some sickness in your body, is we have to bring out the leveler and make sure things are level, make sure it's even. And if we don't, then all of our life we'll be living like this. And we'll see everything kind of sideways, sometimes even upside down. And we'll look at people and we'll look at relationships and look at everything with this, with this skew because we are out of balance. And the thing that gets us back in balance is, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. Because they don't know what they're doing. Most people, and I believe this is so foundational, I believe that most issues in our life are because we have not leveled out. We've not forgiven. Matter of fact, some of us haven't even forgiven ourselves. Many of us have never even sought to to say, you know what, I'm no longer going to hold this against me anymore. 
I'm no longer going to walk in guilt anymore. I'm no longer going to walk in condemnation anymore. I'm no longer going to allow my past to dictate to me how I'm going to be for the rest of my life. Sideways. Off track. Messed up. Can't even enjoy relationships because we see everything. One person messed you over and now everybody's messed up. Everybody has a problem now because of one person that messed us up. I'll never, those are words of a vow, an inner vow. You're saying, I will never ever allow this person, I'll never allow those that look like this person to be a problem to me ever again. Those inner vows will mess your life up. Those inner vows are where we are off balance, off level. And so many of the things that will Will, 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 if you will accept this message today, I believe many of you will leave here today for the purposes of what Jesus died and was resurrected for, and that is freedom. Freedom. Freedom from the demons. Freedom from oppression. Freedom from sickness and disease brought on by unforgiveness. And so we're going to see some things this morning that I believe will be a blessing to you if you have ears to hear. And no ears to hear means that you'll perceive and understand what God is saying to you and not shut it off. Not say, you know what, well, you just don't know what they did to me. You just don't know how they treated me. You just don't know what the way I, no, no. You can say that to some people, but you can't say that to Jesus. Because Jesus knows every single thing that you have ever been through. Matter of fact, he's not only been through it himself. He's not only been a part of it himself, but he was completely, totally innocent for everything that was done to him. So let's look at some scriptures this morning. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to get set free today. All right, let's look at some scriptures here. So this is called, uh, I, I label this the law of balance. Forgiveness, the law of balance, forgiveness, all right? So here we go. What is, what is balance? A state of equilibrium, equal distribution of weight, amount, something used to produce equilibrium or counterpoles. What is, what is um, balance? Equilibrium. In other words, you are level. You, we are the way we're supposed to be. Everything is equally distributed. Look at Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17 and verse number 3. Well, let's start with verse 1. It says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, there will always be temptations to sin, but what sorrow awaits the person who's who does the tempting, it would be better to be thrown into the sea and with a milestone hung around your neck than to cause one of these little ones to fall into sin. So watch yourselves. If another believer sins, rebuke that person. Then if there is repentance, forgive. Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day and each time turns again and asks for forgiveness, you must forgive. Now, in this particular scripture, we've heard this before, 70 times 7. 
uh, really, uh, if you were looking at the, the vernacular of that time, it would, it would mean 70 times 7, meaning indefinitely, meaning that we forgive indefinitely. There's two parts in this particular uh, uh, principle of forgiveness. There's, there's two parts to it. In other words, he says, if you see your brother or your sister in sin, go and reprove them. Go rebuke them. Go and speak truth to them. And if they hear you, forgive them. He says, and if they hear you, forgive them. And then, and then, and I can imagine uh, he was kind of reading their thoughts. Well, how many times should we forgive them? As many times as it takes. Indefinitely, on and on and on to the what? See, see, see. I wasn't thinking that. Yeah, I was. On and on to the break of dawn, right? And beyond the break of dawn, right? So it's on and on and on and on. In other words, you never stop forgiving. You correct, you forgive. You correct, you forgive. You correct, you forgive. You correct, you forgive. Now, there is a responsibility to the person who's been trespassed against or someone who sees a trespass to come and bring acknowledgement to that. Sometimes we don't know we've done something wrong. Sometimes it's important that we come in and we correct what we do know is wrong so that that person can come up out of it. That person will have an opportunity to. And therein lies where we sometimes culturally miss it because we really, truly don't like to confront. We just don't like it. We run from it because it's not a cultural norm. It is a cultural iniquity many times that we don't like to face up and have someone tell us that we've done something wrong or to tell someone that they've done something wrong. But we need to build up our, 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 um, our skin. Our, we need to thicken our skin in that area. We were in, Los, in uh, New York one time, uh, my wife and I and, and Greg and Becky Marquez, and we were having dinner at a restaurant at like 11, 11.30 at night. We had just gotten in. And so we were there in, in, uh, at the table, and we had been there for maybe an hour at least. And, and so the waitress comes by, and she says to us, um, you guys are going to have to go now. And we were like, um, not in Morganton, North Carolina. That's what I'm thinking. Because no one, in, no one around here, because it is, it's our, our hospitality, right? It's, it's being nice, right? No one's going to tell you. But, but maybe back in the kitchen, the, uh, the waitresses are conversing with one another. And they're saying, you see that table out there? I wish they would leave. They've been here too long. And then, can we get you some more water? What else would you like? No, no, I appreciated it. I so appreciated it. I thought about that for a while. As a matter of fact, it's still been on my mind to this day. How, how she, was, she was like, I'm here to make money. You, you are keeping me from making money. You all are going to have to leave. I didn't get mad at her. I'm not mad at her. I'm glad that she had an upfront candid conversation with us and ask, could you please leave now? And we did. We understood her. At least, at least she didn't go spitting our food. And so she confronted us and we responded in kind. We left. Not with a bad attitude. We understood where she was coming from. 
All right? So it's important for us to get those two things to get those two things right. Is it, yeah, we need to build up a thicker skin. Just because someone tells us that we've done something wrong doesn't mean we're wrong. All right? We are the rightness of God in Christ Jesus. It is, it, is, it is wonderful that people will come and tell us the truth. It is wonderful that we have accuracy in our life. Understand, I want to be accurate. I want to be precise. But I need all those around me to help me to be precise. I need more eyes than what I have. I need more than two eyes. I need four, six, ten, twelve. I need a lot of eyes for George Logan to get where he needs to go. I need accuracy. I need precision. I need someone who's been down the road before me to tell me what's ahead of me. That's what I need in my life. I, I, even though it hurts, the Bible says it's, it's bitter, bitter in the tongue or in the mouth, but sweet in the belly. It's sweet when you can find out you're going in the right place. You're in the right place at the right time. Father, Father, and how many times? Forgive them every single time indefinitely. Keep on forgiving over and over. And it's almost as though the, the disciples are like, well, you know, you, what, 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 you know, what about that Lord? He said, apostle said to the Lord, show us how to increase our faith. In other words, I think, I think this is saying, they're like, man, you, you're telling us to keep on forgiving people who do the same thing over and over again, and you keep on telling us to forgive them? Father, increase my faith. That's what I think he was saying. Father, help me, Lord. I don't know how to do that. I need some help with that. He says, if you had even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to the mulberry tree, may you be uprooted and be planted into the sea, and it would obey you. In other words, speak to your lack of faith. Speak to your problem, whatever that might be. And then verse 7, he goes on, he says, When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, and I tie these two together, I tie the, the forgiveness part together. He says, a servant comes in and plowing or taking care of sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No, he says, prepare my meal, put your apron and serve me while I eat. Then you, then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he has told him to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. Sometimes we want a big pat on the back for forgiving for someone. He says, this is, you're just doing what you're supposed to do. This is how my kingdom operates. In other words, how many of you, the last time you stopped at a red light in town, someone came out with bells and whistles, woo-hoo-hoo, you are winner number 15. You stopped at the red light. No, no one stops and tells you that because that's a part of the kingdom in which we now live in. You stop at red lights, right? You stop at the stop signs, right? You yield at yellow, right? You go on green, right? Nobody's there blowing the whistles. No one's saying, "Waha, you did a good job. Same it is in walking out forgiveness. It is your responsibility. It's my responsibility to walk out forgiveness, to live in a state of forgiveness. No one's there to pat you on the back. You know what, girl? I forgave her. Woo, I got to take my hand off. You Christian. You know you Christian. <laughs> no, no, no. There's no one. That should be a, so much a part of our daily lifestyle, our daily living, that, that it is just commonplace for us to walk out forgiveness. Matter of fact, some things that just roll off of our back. Little bitty things. Oh, I forget that girl. She didn't even, la- she didn't even say hello to me. I, ain't no big deal. She may just be having a bad day, that's all. 
and going about your business. Don't go tell someone, man, she, I waved at her. She didn't even wave at me. I waved at her anyway. <laughs> and God would say to you, well, you just got your reward. You just got your reward. When you told your friend you got your reward, when they told you, Ooh, you are a Christian, that was your reward. Now, I want a little bit more than that, to be honest with you. So he's saying that this is our responsibility. It's our responsibility to walk out forgiveness. It's our responsibility to do. It's how we live in the kingdom. It is like a stop sign. It is like a yellow sign. It is like how we live day to day. We just live in a constant state of readiness to give forgiveness. And you'll find out. So at the end of many days, for some of you, you start out like this. By the end of the day, about midday, you're like this. And about before you get home, you're like this. And so when you meet your, greet your wife or your husband, you all bent up sideways. Shut up. Don't talk to me. I don't want to talk to you today. Got nothing to say to you? How come? Because we allow things to just mess us up. What someone did or didn't do or didn't say, and we're all jacked up. Not considering the resurrection. Not considering, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Not considering any of those things. We just stay jacked up. You know, God gives us an equalizer in the word also. He says, um, don't allow your anger. Don't go to bed with anger. That's how we come back to balance. That's how we get even again. Is that we constantly walk out forgiveness. Constantly. I'm getting a little out of balance. Uh, let, me, uh, let me forgive. And you see, the longer you stay in a particular state, the more that state will begin to dictate the things of your life. The Bible says, whom sins you forgive, they are forgiven. Whom sins you carry, they will be continue to be carried. So you carry something long enough. Let's just use this again, but not for the same purposes. If I carry this all day like this, all day this thing is in my arm. Now, I'm pretty strong right now, but about midday, if I did this for two hours, if I did it for one hour, you know what's going to happen? Eventually, my arm's going to start drop, and it will have, it will begin to dictate my actions. But notice here, take it out of my hand, and I have less of a challenge. Let's look at some more scriptures here. So tell your neighbor, it's your responsibility to forgive. You don't get a reward here for that. All right, let's look at some more scripture here. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 5. You know, the, the, the scripture we read, forgive them for they don't know what they do. 
there's, we could also change that around and say that if we don't forgive, we don't know what we are doing. If we don't forgive, we don't know what we're doing. So listen to this scripture here. It says, I am not overstating it when I say that the man who caused all the trouble hurt all of you more than he hurt me. In other words, I admit, man, I'm not the one suffering like you guys are suffering. So, so I want you to understand, I, know, I, I understand that you are hurting. How many of you know that? We wouldn't need to forgive. It didn't hurt us. I, I want you to know, Paul talking, I want you to know that I understand you are hurting more than I am. Even though I'm giving the instructions, I realize you are hurting right now. He says, most of you opposed him, and that was punishment enough. Now... However, it is time to forgive and comfort him. Everyone say, forgive and comfort. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. So I urge you now to re reaffirm your love for him. I wrote you as I did to test you. Now, I want to stop here because we're about to get into something that is important. See, many times... Um, what we do as further punishment, we like to punish the trespasser. And so we punish them by abstaining from them, by not wanting to be around them, by in some way showing, showing them that we have still a holding something against them, right? In other words, we don't want them to let it go. We don't want to let it go, and we don't want them to let it go either. So, so we want to hold something about our humanity, our human nature says, I want them to know that I'm hurting. You're going to feel that I'm hurting. I want them to know it. And I want them to one day admit that they hurt me. I want them to know it. And I want them to admit they hurt me. And I don't want to, I don't want them to, I can't let them go with this. I cannot let this go because they need to know. They need to know. And so what we do is we put both people in prison. Now both of you are in prison, not talking to one another. You better talk to somebody if you're in prison. Both are in prison. Both are in prison. Both are not talking to one another, living in the same cell. Why not, why not let's become friends now? Why not let us talk now? Why not let us devise a plan together as to how we can get out of prison? Listen to this. Verse 8. So I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. Mm -mm. I heard somebody just say that. It just came out of my spirit when I heard you say it. <laughs> I, wrote to, <laughs> I wrote to you as I did to test you, to test you to see if you would fully comply with my instruction. I wrote to you as I did to test you to see if you would fully comply with my instructions. I wrote to you as I did to test you to see if you would fully comply with my instructions. In other words, you call me, you call me your, your pastor. You call me your overseer of this, of this church in Corinth. But I'm, I'm writing you to see if you will comply with the instructions. I'm going to keep on reading. When you forgive this man, 
I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit. For your benefit. Everyone say benefit. Say there's a benefit to forgiving. How many of you like benefits? How many of you work on a job with benefits? How many of you may have worked just because of the benefits? Anyone? Like, I, I don't like the job, but I like the benefits, right? So we understand benefits, right? And it says here, so that, so that here's a benefit to forgiveness. Here's a benefit to giving using the authority of the believer. What is the authority of the believer? We can forgive like Christ did. We forgive so that Satan will not outsmart us. For we are familiar with his evil schemes. Oh, my goodness. He says, forgive. The benefit of forgiveness is so that Satan does not outsmart us. Oh, you need to get this. Remember, his job is to outsmart you so that he can kill, steal, and destroy. He's always planting traps for us. And one of his main ways of doing so is to have us harbor unforgiveness. And Paul says to the church of Corinth, he says, forgive them so that Satan doesn't outsmart you. Because when we are in unforgiveness, when we're out of balance, we don't see everything that we need to see. We don't know what's going on around us because our eyes have been shut. So you can stay in unforgiveness if you want to. And the enemy will come in and he'll steal from you. He'll deceive you. He'll come right in your house and steal from you. That's just how wicked he is. And you can go ahead and harbor unforgiveness all you want. But do know you are jeopardizing the benefits. Think about just for a minute, deception, the deception behind walking in unforgiveness. That the enemy can outsmart you now. I I want that to sink in for just a minute. He can outsmart you. think, oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in charge of my own life. You think you are if you're walking in unforgiveness. And the devil has got a hook in your nose, and he's leading you wherever he wants. That's because of an unwillingness to forgive. He's outsmarted you. It's like playing checkers or chess, of which neither one I do well. That's why I don't play. But my understanding is that with chess especially, you are trying to outthink the, your opponent, right? You're trying to think two, three steps ahead of them, right? What if you're distracted? What happens during a distraction? Let's say that you, me and Tim here are playing chess and someone tap him on the back and he looks behind him. <laughs> All right? So, Tim, what did I just do? I used a distraction... And when he turned his head, I'm like, quick, just like, drop it on in there. I guess that's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
You know, it's always, you know, you know uh, I've never done this. At least I don't, I don't think I've ever done this. Create a diversion. So you're in a, a grocery store and you hear a commotion over here. Someone starts yelling. He just took my pocketbook. And then while the commotion is going on, what's the thief doing? What's the thief doing? The thief is stealing. He's like, he's putting stuff away. Well, forgiveness, unforgiveness is like that. It is like that. In other words, the longer we stay in unforgiveness, we're getting pickpocketed. We're getting stolen from. Because it's a diversion. Your mind is preoccupied with the unforgiveness. And the enemy is storing stuff away. Say, oh, my, my. Say, oh, my, my. I will not be outwitted by the devil. I will not be outwitted by the enemy. My eyes are wide open to his schemes. I will walk out forgiveness. Listen to this version of it. Same scripture in the Amplified. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let me, let me, let me go back to Luke chapter 17 in the Amplified because I, I love this version. It says, pay attention and always be on guard looking out for one another. If your brother sins and disregards God's precepts, solemnly warn him. So if he repents and changes, forgive him. Even if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times a day, I repent. You must forgive him for that. that is... Give up resentment and consider the offense recalled and annulled. Give up resentment. Give up resentment. Give up resentment. Give up resentment. But, but, but that's my doggy. I like to pet my resentment. I like to make sure that, that resentment is always by my side. Are y'all here? That's what we do with many of the things that go on in our life. We just, we wake up in the morning, we just stroke it, stroke that resentment. I'm giving up that resentment. It's my resentment. I keep my resentment if I want to. Are y'all with me? Listen to this. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5, verse through 11, also in Amplified. He says, but if, if someone has caused all of this sorrow, he has caused us not not to me, he has caused it not to me, but in some, in, in some degree, not to put it too severely. He has distressed and grieved all of you. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is sufficient. So instead of further rebuke now, you should rather graciously forgive and comfort and encourage him and keep him from being overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. Therefore, I urge you to reinstate him in your affections and reaffirm your love for him. For this was my purpose in writing, to see if you would stand the test, whether you are obedient and committed to following my instructions in all things. If you forgive anyone anything, to I too forgive that one and what is and what I have forgiven if I have forgiven anything has been for your sake in the presence of and with the approval of Christ to keep Satan from taking advantage of us for we are not ignorant of his schemes let's look at this, a few more scriptures and we'll, we'll be we'll be done this morning 
Well, let's go to Genesis chapter 45 real quick. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Y'all know the story of Joseph, right? What happened to Joseph? His brothers did what to him? Sold him into slavery. What happened while he was in slavery? What? He was falsely accused of, 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 of messing with uh, his, his Potiphar's wife. And he was put into prison, was he not? While in prison, what happened to him? What? He was forgotten. And then once he did something good and revealed it, he still didn't get out. They forgot about him again. Until finally, he interpreted the dream of Pharaoh and, and that came out. And, and next thing you know, he's beside he's beside. Pharaoh, he, he's, he's the king, the, next, the governor over, over Egypt. Now listen to all of this, all of that happened to him. Verse 1 says, Joseph could stand it no longer. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, out, all of you. Now notice what he didn't do. He didn't say, those are my brothers. To everyone, those are the guys who sold me into bondage, into slavery. There they are. They, those guys, th those, those, th th those guys right there. All ten of them. They put me in a prison. You know, unforgiveness lies dormant until it has an opportunity to reveal itself. But obviously, he had forgiven, hadn't he? All of that time, he walked out forgiveness. So he was alone with his brothers when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him. And, and word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. Yeah, I would be too. They were stunned and realized that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, come closer, come closer. I want to take your pain away, you rascals, you. He said to them, so they came closer and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me into this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve our lives. Notice he didn't, he wasn't asking for them to say, oh, Joseph, you, you were right, we were wrong, we, did, we should have did that to you. We, no, he didn't say anything. He said, he, he, he said, he says, no one, no one takes my life. I give my life out, in a sense. In other words, everything that bad that was happened to me has been turned around for good because I maintained an attitude of forgiveness. Listen, but don't be upset. Comfort them. And don't be angry with yourselves 
for selling me into this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve our lives. This famine that was ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to help to keep you and from your and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here. It was God who sent me here, not you. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh to, and manager of his entire palace and the governor of all of Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and tell him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over all of Egypt. So come down to me immediately. There is no revenge in this man. There's no get back with this man. There's no send my father and you guys stay. I don't want to see you anymore with this man. He had walked out forgiveness. And because he had walked out forgiveness, not only did he preserve his own destiny, but he preserved the destiny of all those associated with him. How many people have stopped up the destinies of your children because you harbor unforgiveness against people out there? And now your, your family can't even go visit people, can't go over there, can't get a job, don't even go over there, don't be a part of them, don't do that. And we are... are, are Blocking up and clogging our inheritance, our ability to receive from others. Listen to me. Everyone who has stuff doesn't always come in the same package. There are white people that have things you need. There are black people who have things you need. There are yellow people who have things you need. There are red people who have things you need. If you have a problem with one of them peoples, you're blocking up your own destiny. You're blocking up your own ability to receive and to have and to fulfill your destiny and your inheritance because you got a problem over here. The problem over here, if you resolve it, you open up your destiny. You open up your inheritance. You can be mad at black people all you want. You can be mad at white people all you want to. You can be mad at yellow people all you want to. But you will not re receive your inheritance if you're harboring unforgiveness. I don't care what has been passed down the road. You may have a problem, an issue with men because maybe somebody in your life uh, hurt you and now you're passing that on to your children and all your, your, your lady friends, they don't want to get married because, because you had an issue. Don't pass that stuff along. And now, 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 now your children, now your daughters are skewed. They're walking through life upside. Good man come around. He must be... He must be terrible. Look at him. You know, he might be all right. He might be all right. And now you can't, you can't fulfill your destiny because you got a problem with men because of a problem with a man. Well, pass that junk on. And there's so many other kinds of stories like that in all kinds of different arenas. And if, you're gonna, if we're going to be able to get where we need to go, you've got to walk out forgiveness. Let me give you five things here as we close out this morning. Five things here to prove that you're walking out total forgiveness. Now, I, I stole these, so I can't give the credit for this. I stole them, so if he didn't want to stole, he shouldn't have put it in a book. All right. This is from R.T. Kendall. If you all are familiar with his work, tremendous writer, tremendous man of God, tremendous thinker 
in the in the in the in the in the world today, and he's written many books. He wrote a book called Total Forgiveness, and he said these are five things to prove of proof that you are walking out total forgiveness. Now, what's the difference between total? What what's the opposite of total? Partial, right? Partial would be uh, uh, opposite of, t- and so sometimes we partially forgive. We don't forgive all the way. We kind of halfway forgive. But total forgiveness. There's some things that prove you have totally forgiven. Listen to this. Number one, do not tell anyone what has happened to you. Accept, accept a trusted friend who is of the opinion of the gospel or the word of God who will, who will not allow you to continue in unforgiveness. In other words, you can't just tell it to anyone because some people will put gas on the fire. Am I right? They'll just throw a heap of a thing of gas and, mm, boy, you, huh, if that were me, I, I'd get them. I, I, somehow, I don't know how you do it, but I'd get them. You don't want to tell that person. You want to tell the person who says, you know, you've got to forgive. You've got to walk out total forgiveness. So if you're going to tell anyone other than Jesus, make it someone who will act like Jesus, right? Another reason, if there's for legal, legal reasons. In other words, if someone does something wrong to you, and you forgive them, that doesn't mean that if there's something legally going on that you don't tell the, the popo on them. No, you still tell the popo. Uh, that's mean the police. Y'all, y'all do understand. Understand, sometimes we think, oh, well, you said I can't tell no one. No, if, if, he, if he robbed a liquor store, tell him. In other words, you have no, you're not under obligation to not tell the legal authorities if something has gone wrong. You know, sometimes, you know, maybe it's in the case of even more seriously uh, of, of abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. And sometimes, you know, I, 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 you said not to, I can't tell anyone. No, that's not what I'm saying in this case. You, you need to tell someone because, you know, if you don't, that person could go and do it again to someone else. That person could go and do it to someone else. Number two. And let, let me say this as an asterisk to that one. Most times we tell others because we want to reign over them. Or we want to ruin their name. Got to leave all that behind. We, we spread the gossip about them because we want to we want to defame them in the presence of other people. Don't do that. Number two, you must let them be, you, must, you, you won't let them be afraid of you. In other words, the reason, the, some of the reason we harbor unforgiveness is we want to keep a little, little edge on them. A little, we, wanna, we want to, them to be somewhat afraid of us. I got something on them. I got them in my reins. I want them to be afraid of me. Notice Joseph didn't do that with his brothers, did he? 
He didn't hold anything on him. He said, listen, go back and tell you. I'm not, I'm, I, I could put you in prison. I really could. He didn't even bring that up. He said, go tell him I, everything's all right. I came here before you all. I, I came here to, be, uh, to, to help you survive. I don't have any angst against you. Number three, don't let them feel guilty. Don't let them feel guilty. What, what's it going to accomplish if they're unwilling to admit that they've done something wrong? What's it going to accomplish for you to, to hold that one thing against them, to, to make them feel guilty about it? I want them. What does that do for you, really? I mean, why do you need that? Do you need that to feel right? Well, I thought Jesus was your righteousness. Does that help you out any? Does that, does that change the game in some way that they can, they can finally feel guilty and, and walk around you like this, you know, husband and wife, and, 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 and the husband and me like this all the time? Boy, what's wrong with you? I'm with my wife. I can't look up today. Well, you know, that's what they did to the slaves. That's how they kept control of them. Don't look up. Keep your heads down. You're a slave. Well, you can be married to someone who's alive and, and well and vibrant, or you can walk around with old, old Toby. Toby walking around. Yes, sir, master. Oh, I can't say nothing. No, you better not. When's it going to die? Say amen. Let the church say amen. Let the church Say, number four, let them save face. Let them save face. Y'all know what saving face means? Don't, don't require them to, to have to confess and admit and let them save face. Matter of fact, Sometimes you even want to just say, you don't even have to say a word. Don't. We're good. We're good. Let them save face. Number five, protect them from their darkest secret. What did Jesus say? What did God say in his word? He has forgiven us as far as the east is from the west that he will not remember. And truth be known, if, if we pulled up someone right here today and said, we're going to, we're going to, um, we got a, we got a, a, a video that Jesus produced on your life. And we're going to tell everything in the presence of everyone here today. Somebody's going to go run that to the AV back there, going to run to the computer, and however it takes to get that thing shut off. Because nobody wants to know, no one wants all of their dark stuff to be made known. Am I right? Now, we, we have our pet, we have our closet that we will open up. So this, is, this, is, this is what I've done wrong, and that's what, that's what comes out in testimonies. Right? Yeah, this is this is this is my story right here. I used to be I used to be on drugs. I, I, I used to, you know, but but there's something worse in your life than the drugs. 
because you don't want no one to know. And that's been just between you and God, and he didn't even unlock the door on it, and will not. Yet we want to tell about someone who, who didn't speak to us in church one Sunday. Can you believe that? Knowing we got all kind of dirt that could be revealed on film. Let the church say amen. Let the church say amen. God has spoken. So let the church say amen. I'm almost done. Now, this might be the last time some of you are in church on a, on a, I'll make sure you get enough here. <laughs> Y'all will forgive me, right? That's what we're talking about. <laughs> I got but two more. What, what? Two more. Number six, you got to understand that this is a lifelong sentence. In other words, you may need to forgive someone after you have forgiven them the first time multiple times after that. For years, you might have to wake up one morning and just something, a song, a song comes through and all of a sudden you were, you, you, you're blind in your eyes, you can't drive because that song reminds you of that, that rascal or that person and you are now mad as everything and you're just, uh, you got at that very moment you need to walk out forgiveness. You, you need to say, no, I have committed to forgiveness. This is my sentence. For the rest of my life, I'm going to walk out forgiveness. You may watch a movie like 12 Years a Slave. And all types of things rage on the inside of you and you want to you wanna find somebody of a lighter hue. No, you, you need to Forgive. You need to forgive. Do you hear me? You need to forgive. Are there any exceptions? Not one. Not one exception. I want you to look around this room right now. Everyone just take a quick look around the room. Look all around. Look all around. What does it look like? I've got a, I've got a, I've got a thought in my mind. What, what does it look like to you? Heaven must be like this. What else? Diversity, right? What else? Listen, it, it, it's, it's like salt and pepper, right? In other words, there's a blending here. Why is that? Why is that? Why is that? It's because we have sought to preach the gospel and the freedom that comes with the gospel and, and the, the, how it changes the way we think, how it keeps us from being perverted or off-cued in our minds so that people, all people, can be welcomed in one place. What's the foundation of that? Forgiveness. That's the foundation of it. It's Forgiveness. Last one. <coughs> this might be the more dis most difficult of them all. 
proof that you've totally forgiven is that you have to bless them. You have to pray blessings upon them. We had a situation many years ago, not many years ago, but several years ago, that I, I'm not, I, I, God have, I have now since then been, uh, I can no longer give the specifics of the situation out anymore. All I can say is that we had something that happened to us several years ago that, that hurt me to my core. Hurt me to my core. And God told me, he said, I want you to bless them. Now, you can't, I can't be around, I mean, I'm not, don't, can't get, I don't, I'm not around this, this, this person. Actually, a couple of people. But I can pray for them. I can pray blessing. Bless, bless. you want me to pray blessing? You want me, God, you want me to, to pray that things go well in their life? Yeah, that's what I want you to do. You mean, you mean you want me to pray, use my authority as a king's kid to pray blessings on someone who has hurt me or hurt someone that, that, that I dearly love? Yes. Because many times what we want to happen to them afterwards is something bad, right? I want something bad to happen to that person. I want them to lose something. I want, them to, I want something to be broken in their life. I, and I want, I want wind of it too. I want to know about it. But God says, bless those who despitefully use you. Bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse. And the way we do that is we begin to pray for them. God, God, would you please, would you... I ask that you bless such and such. I ask that you protect them and watch over them. That's tough. But that will change your heart. That will change your heart. So those six or seven that I gave you this morning, proof. Let's use them. Let's make sure that as we get ready to do our communion this morning, as we close out, let's make sure that, man, I'm, I'm, you know, I understand it's a sentence, so, so don't, you, you commit to it. You realize that tomorrow morning is coming, and so that thought may come up, and the devil will try to convince you that you really didn't forgive, but you just keep walking it out. You choose to forgive. You choose to be gracious. You choose to be a blessing. You choose to pray blessings over them. You choose to not harbor and allow guilt to, to be there. You choose not to try to get someone uh, to say that they're sorry for what they did if they were unwilling to do so. That's all right if it happens. And the last thing is, is don't go up to someone this morning after church and say, um, uh, uh, I, I, I forgive you. And he'd be looking at me just like he's looking at me right now. Like, I forgive. That, all of that do, does is conjure up thoughts, right? Like, like now he's going to be going home and messed up his whole resurrection day. I mean, he's like, oh, man, what did I, what I, what I do, you know? Don't do that to someone. You forgive them. 
and then going about your business. Going about your business. Pray blessings over them. If something happens and you all can or need to uh, confront an issue, so be it. But don't lay on them, you know, I, I forgive you. Because all that is is a guilt trip trying to be pronounced upon that individual. You want them to feel something. And you're going to be so upset if he says, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know. What, what are you talking about? I mean, what do you do with that? I mean, really, what, what, do, you, what do you do with someone comes up and says, I, I forgive you? What do you do with that? Just say, good, well, hope you're released now. <laughs> Amen. Did you get something out of this today? Praise God. Aren't you glad about Jesus? You've been listening to the Change Lives, Changing Lives radio broadcast, a ministry of New Day Christian Church. Please visit us at our website at www.newdaycc.com. Again, that's www.newdaycc.com. If this broadcast has been a blessing to you, please tell others. And if you ever get the opportunity, please come visit us at New Day Christian Church.